Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to episode 49 of Jordan and Drew, the sports crew. One away from episode 50, this is our Valentine's Day special. We're running a quite unique format. We'll be talking about that as we move forward in the episode. Jordan Lorenz, Drew Skyberg here, Drew along with us for the ride. It'll be a highlight of the second half with Jared Valeski as they talk about the NBA trade deadline. And Drew, what a wild deadline it was. Yeah, uh, just to talk about some of the moves, we saw Tyrese Halbert and Sabonis, uh, James Harden. That was the big That was the big shocker, I think. And then there's just um, Ben Simmons with that one. Just overall, a lot of moves. Even the Bucks made a move we'll talk about. So just a busy trade deadline, and we're going to recap it all. So stay tuned. Absolutely. Not a big NBA guy, so I would have absolutely nothing to that conversation. So we're going to do a little... Half Jordan drew the sports crew with me and Drew, and then, or Drew and I, I guess I should say, and then Drew and Jared taking over the reins. Our social media pages, YouTube is blowing up, guys. Six subscribers in the last month. We're at 45 now, getting closer to episode 50. Can't thank you all enough for the YouTube support lately. It has been crazy. Otherwise, Twitter, JD Sports Pod, Jordan drew the sports crew on. Uh, Facebook and Jordan Drew underscore sports crew on our Instagram. Instagram followers have been going up as well. We're nearing 500. We're not to 400 yet, but we're still getting to 500. I can still say that. That's our next goal. 50 YouTube subscribers and 500 Instagram followers. So that's what we got there. Our shout out of the week, Brett Prangy, he announced his commitment about an hour after we got done recording last week. So a week late, but shout out to Brett Prangy. He is going to be a pointer at Stevens Point, joining Tanner Morotic. They'll be playing Ben Walsh in that division at UW The Cross. So fun stuff there as the ships get to play each other in the world of football. But other than that, let's move on. February 14th is the date, and we're going to start the episode with trivia. We're changing things up a little bit. Minnesota Wild Trivia. Drew, are you ready? Uh, I guess. I think you're going to have to be. I mean, we've never started an episode with trivia, but it's going to warm you up for next week when we have 50 trivia questions for episode 50. I really got to get on that. All right. Question one. What year were the Minnesota Wild founded? If you want to just make a wild guess first, you can go for it. Oh, no. Um... I think there's a team like but in Minnesota before the Wild, and then the the Wild came in after like as an expansion team. So I'll say like the 80s, 1983. Okay, that is incorrect, but it might help you with your options here. Option one is 1975. Option two is 1988. Or option three is 1997. 1988. Incorrect. It's actually 97. But oh, go ahead. I was, were they an expansion? So they were like, did they have a team before then? Uh uh-uh. uh. No, it was that, it took no. that long for hockey in Minnesota. Wow. So here's the thing, right? It was 1997, but they didn't actually go until the 2000, 2001 season. So technically, the answer could have been 2000. They were the first NHL franchise in Minnesota since the North Stars moved to Dallas in 93, but the North Stars, they didn't do a whole lot. So Let's I was right. See. There was a team in Minnesota before the Wild. That's what I was saying. Yes, correct. I misunderstood, but I, yes, I, you were right there. 67 to 93 is when the North Stars were there, but it was still nowhere near the 80s. But you were correct. We will give you that. I don't, I don't know what I was thinking when you said that. But anyways, 0 for 1, 0 for 1 star. Next question, true or false? Oh, well, true or false? The Wild did not begin play until the 2000-2001 season. True. Yeah, I gave that one away. I didn't yes. even know that was, I didn't even know that was on you. All right. Thank well, you. 
At least you got a free one if you don't get these. I listen. <laughs> that's good. That's good, I guess. Next question. I think you'll be able to get this one. Where do the Wild play their home games? Do you know off the top of your head? I'm assuming not. I don't. Okay, I've got options. Don't worry. Is it the Key Bank Center, the XL Energy Center, or the Bridgestone Arena? Is it the XL Energy Center? Yes, indeed. Yeah, it that's is. Isn't that that where is where the, um, tra- the, the Timberwolves play. Yes. Yeah, yes, okay. Indeed. That's why you, there, I got it. Yes, good, good. Makes sense. The Bridgestone Arena is the Nashville Predators. I was there as Evan is when I was in Nashville. Boy, I can't talk. And then the Key Bank Center is the Buffalo Sabres. Next question. This one should be relatively easy. What are the main colors of the Minnesota Wild? Green. Yep. Red. Yep. Some blue. No blue. No blue. Green, red, white. I. Yeah, white. Oh, you okay. got it. That'll count because okay. you got green and wet. I was just going to make you get two of the three. Yeah, no blue. I don't know where you got that one from. But final question to go four or five. I mean, technically one doesn't count, but we're going to let it count. How many times have the Wild appeared in the Stanley Cup? So this isn't the playoffs. This is, well, it counts in the playoffs because you're making it through. But how many times have the Wild been in the, in the Super Bowl, the NBA championship, Zero. the World Series? Yes, correct. Big time answer. Four of five. Puts you at 16 out of 20 in hockey trivia. Woo-hoo. I mean, that's not bad at all. Oh, I'll take now, that. Yeah, absolutely. And now season four and a half of trivia. I have a little surprise. I'm not sure if you saw this or not, but it has been confirmed. The quick trip holiday face-off is back. What? So December 28th and December 29th, 2022. We already know the teams that are going to be in it. Wisconsin is in it once again. UMass is in it, Clarkson, and Lake Superior State. Now, you might be thinking, who are some of these teams? Clarkson, Lake Superior State. Clarkson is ranked 19th right now. UMass is the defending national champ, and they're currently ranked number nine. Lake Superior State is in here as well. And the four programs combined for 62 NCAA D1 tournament appearances. Appearances. 26 for Wisconsin, 22 for Clarkson, 11 for Lake Superior State, and three for UMass. The quote here says, we are proud to have exciting college hockey return to the Pfizer Forum for the second year in a row. We continue to offer a diverse list of events at the arena. I mean, this is going to be huge. Drew, the quick trip holiday face-off is back, baby. That's awesome. And yeah. I, I was wondering how good those programs were because it would only make sense to have better competition, you know, after year after yes. year. And it sounds like they did that. So I'm looking forward to this. So this will be a fun event back at the forum. And and it's a Wednesday. Hockey. It's a Wednesday, Thursday this time around. We went on a Wednesday, right? It was Tuesday, Tuesday Wednesday. Wednesday. Yep, yeah. They switched okay. It up. So they switched it. Maybe they thought Tuesdays was bad market, but. I don't know. And Clarkson, they're the Golden Knights. So obviously you've got the Vegas Golden Knights. Well, this is the Clarkson Golden Knights. But let's move on. There's a little bit of surprise. Time for the stats of the week. Stats. All football. I actually cut one here. Uh, There was a lot, but we're cutting the last basketball one to keep it just football. Tom Brady has played in more Super Bowls than he did Pro Bowls. He was selected to the Pro Bowl 15 times, but only played in two Pro Bowls, unreal, and kind of just goes to show how the Pro Bowl doesn't matter at all. Tom Brady is the first NFL, NBA, NHL, or MLB player to finish in top two MVP voting in his final season 
since Sandy Koufax in 1966. It's been a long, long time since we've seen that. Let's talk about the MVP award. The most awards by a team. Packers lead the way with 10. And Drew, obviously you have the notes, you can see it. But would you have been able to guess that the Colts had nine of them and the Niners had five and the Browns with four? Probably not, but you no. think about it, it makes more sense. You know, the Colts with, like, make Manning, sense with Manning. Yeah. But yeah. I don't know. When I saw the Browns had four and the Niners had five, I was like, whoa. So that makes it up. Ten for the Packers, their first, nine for the Colts, five for the Niners, and the Browns with four. So when you put it in perspective, Aaron Rodgers has more MVP awards than a bunch of other teams, which is crazy. Speaking of Aaron Rodgers, only Barry Bonds has been an older consecutive MVP winner across the NFL, NBA, MLB, NHL, WNBA, and MLS history. We'll be talking NFL honors coming up in a minute, but T.J. Watt and J.J. Watt are now the first pair of brothers in NFL history to become recipients of the Defensive Player of the Year. That'll do it. Any comments on any of those, or are we moving on? Um. Well, Sandy Koufax. Yes. Bob Uecker hit a home run off him. So I just want to put Ooh, out. we love ourselves some Bob Uecker. And the date today, I already said it, but it's February 14th. We'll say it again on this date. Not a whole lot today. There was like Daytona 500 stuff, but we don't care about racing. And there was like some other random stuff. So I don't know. Um, yeah, but anyways, should we... Should we try and get Andrew Curlin back on for a little NASCAR talk to pre- preview this season or something like that? You think we could make that work? Possibly. I Maybe. always open to come on whenever. So we'll Maybe see. we'll do another one. I know they just had a race at like the Coliseum, which is kind of crazy. And then the big one yeah. is coming up. But anyways, on this day in 1966, Will Chamberlain breaks the NBA career scoring record at 20,884 points. And to think that was in 66 and what some of the numbers are now pretty crazy. I want to say 1987, I'm going to ask you about this one. The Pistons and Sixers drew a crowd of 53,745 at the Pontiac Silverdome, third largest crowd in NBA history. What would be the top two? Do you have any idea? Um, I'm thinking there are some, you know, arenas who they might have played like probably in like some football, you know, stadium. They might have like done something like, you know, like in a dome stadium, you can set up a court. Uh-huh. So like oh, at Lucas I, Oil Stadium, like how they did March Madness, like you know, yeah. put a court in the middle. We could see. Something I just like... I just found out number one. What I'll find it? number two. So number one is that you were basically dead on. It was at the Georgia Dome, yeah. sixty-two thousand for the Bulls and Hawks in nineteen ninety-eight, and then they oh numbers two and three are both at the Pontiac Silverdome. So that that's kind of deflating, but. 61,983 Pistons were played there again in 88. So they, oh, they went there back to back years. That makes sense, I guess. But otherwise, yeah, I mean, I was shocked to see how large the number was, but makes that's where sense. the lines played. So football. Yes. Totally goes on what Drew said on this day in 2010. We're fast forwarding quite a bit. NBA All Star games. This first one saw the East beat the West 141 to 139. Good game as Dwayne Wade wins the MVP that at the Cowboys Stadium. Then we go to the Air Canada Center in Toronto, 2016, 196 to 173. Sure, they're putting up almost 200 points in the All-Star game. Yeah, that was a crazy All-Star game. Westbrook went off. Yes, he was the MVP. 2016, that was. They just had like the draft or whatever, didn't they, for this year's? Yep. 
Yeah, How does this all work in the All-Star game? So, like, they have two captains, and then they draft their teams, but then aren't the rules really weird in the game, or did they fix it? And it depends on the year. Like, for example, they did it last year. They did they did different because of Kobe Bryant, so they changed up the rules. Yeah, they scored, um, like, 24 or whatever. Yeah. Uh, I, I don't know what the rules are yet this year for the NBA, but I, I think we're going back to – um. I think we're going back to the other way. Instead of like the the team with 100 points would need to score 24 points in the fourth quarter before the team with 95 points scores 29 points. You know, it, it was like an, one of those Elam endings, they call it. So confusing. Like, have you ever seen the Elam ending thing? No, no. I watched I watched one a few years ago and I was I didn't watch the whole game. I watched like later in the fourth quarter and it just kept going back and forth because you must have had to win by like two or something. I, I don't like know what it. it was, but I get that part. But, like, the game itself just seems so confusing. Like, just let the boys play, you know? Well, the whole idea, then, is to eliminate the free throw contests with tons of whistles at the end of games. Because now, like, you're competing. But are they really specific... fouling in the All-Star game anyway? Oh, no. I was just... the, That whole point was just to honor Kobe Bryant. The, the, oh. The, uh, they're not going to do that, I don't think. Again, this should be just a classic four-quarter game. Okay. I, yeah, I hope so. Because, like I said, I was very confused one time when I watched it. And it seems like the rules change every year. It's the same as the Pro Bowl. You know, like, they're not... And there's not flags left and right. They're just letting them play and getting transition buckets and alley oops and dunks and three pointers. On this day in 2018, we got to mention this one: American snowboarder Sean White wins an unprecedented third Olympic halfpipe gold medal at the Pyeongchang Winter Games. Have to mention this is Sean White has retired. The boy finished fourth this year, which really really sucks, but he's retired. So thank you to Sean White. I. I still haven't been watching a lot of Olympics, Drew. I don't know about you. I watched USA and Canada hockey, girls hockey. But other than that, I haven't seen much. Yeah, it's been tough kind of to watch a lot of the Olympics. Uh, a lot of other sports going on. Basketball. I'll try and watch it when it like heats up here because now Football. the qualifiers are done for hockey. Yeah, I mean, that's what I'm saying. We've got a bunch of stuff going on. But we'll hockey see. even, yeah. Like, there's, yeah. Just, there's just so many sports going on right now, like. And high it's school, also college, professional like, basketball, and yeah, college. high school too. It was really heating up, but like we just had an Olympics, like we just had them this summer, so it doesn't feel special to me. Uh, yeah, I guess if you look at it like like that, it doesn't seem you know as because just with how COVID threw everything off. But yeah, because usually you gotta wait. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. Well, anyways, let's move on. Weekly sports talk, a modified segment. We'll start with the NFL honors. Rookie of the year goes to Jamar Chase. We already mentioned the defensive player of the year, the offensive player of the year at Cooper Cup. And, Drew, I'm going to ask you about this because I know some people get a little weird about the offensive player of the year and then the MVP. And, like, there's two separate awards. And if Cooper Cup won this, why didn't he win the MVP? And why didn't Brady win the MVP? But overall, I'm just glad Cooper Cup got an award with the Triple Crown. Very well-deserved. And then Rodgers winning the MVP. We're going to talk about that in a second. Defensive player of the year, Micah Parsons. Thankfully, it wasn't Trayvon Diggs. I said that on the air when I was announcing Lutheran Girls and St. Mary's Catholic. It was a blowout. I was kind of going over some of the awards as they came through. Burrow wins the comeback player of the year. More than well-deserved. Absolutely. He deserved to be in that one. Also, Leroy Butler. Hall of Fame, class of 2022. I met that man. Came yeah, to Dairy Queen. Queen. I mean, what are the chances of that? Comes in. I was making some food. Lisa's up front. She's like, a football player's here. I'm like, no way. What are you talking about? And of course, she didn't know him. He must have like introduced himself to her, which makes zero sense when you think of it. Like, is the dude coming into Dairy Queen and saying, hey, I'm Leroy Butler. And she's like, who? I don't know how that all went down, but it was still awesome. Gave me a signed jersey. 
Love that, man. Mike Vrabel wins Coach of the Year. Cooper Cup wins the DraftKings Daily Fantasy Player of the Year. I don't know if that's new, but that's kind of an awesome award. Then Rodgers winning the MVP. So overall, your thoughts on all of these awards. Rodgers definitely deserved the MVP, but I was a little concerned that they give it to Brady in his final year. I, I knew they weren't giving it to Brady. I've been calling Rodgers the MVP for a while now. I, I thought it was a lock. and I mean, I, I knew it was a lock, basically, I'll say. But, uh, yeah, well, Titans coach Mike Rabel winning that award. When I was on the Lockdown Corner, that podcast, uh, they, they do this hot take segment. And sadly, we didn't do it in the episode. But I had a full case plan for why this guy should win coach of the year. And I'm glad Mike Rabel did it. Or he won it. So that was that was good. Um Jamar Chase, I think though like Micah Parsons, those guys were locks. Burrow was a lock. I, I you could arguably say Cup was a lock over Taylor, I think, with a triple crown kind of solidified. Yeah. I know Jared Vlesky, the journey to million, would disagree, being him being that big Colts fan. And then Andrew Whitworth winning the Walter Payton Man of the Year. I thought that was you know, Oh yeah, I did forget to well. mention that one. So yeah. I solid awards show everyone who should have won one. So no complaints. I mean, it's there's complaints from some people, that's for sure. But also, like, the thing with Jonathan Taylor, right, is if his only chance of winning the MVP award would have been if, his first of all, his team would have had to make the playoffs and not choke and lose. But, like, I mean, the quarterbacks would have had to have down years, and really none of them did. I mean, numbers were up high. So I don't think JT ever really had a shot of winning the MVP, do you? I'm, I'm right with you, what, what you just said. Yeah. So, hey, that's that. Let's talk. About high school basketball, before we get to college, high school, real quick, we've got ourselves a mighty fine, mighty fine bet of the week this week, because coming up this Friday is brilliant Ron Colley to the rematch. February 18th, I'll be talking about it in the EWC breakdown tomorrow, but Drew, you know, I'm giving brilliant the respect. They won the first battle. So they're favorited right now, according to Jordan Lorenz DraftKings book. That's what we'll call it, my betting book here. Brilliant. Over under three and a half as they're at Ron Colley. Okay, brilliant over under. Brilliant has not been the same uh, since nope. Valders beat him. And you know, I was telling Robert, it, it, it's the Valders effect. You know, when you beat a team, there's that there's always that banana in the student section, no matter what the year is, there's a banana in there. And it just really, you know, disrupts the other team's kind of tempo and offense and just overall their how, how their performance, basically. And I don't know. Brilliant's been struggling. Obviously, if you so take what, under. You said three and a half. So, like, yeah. I, I'm going to. So, if so I go if you under, take under, like, I'm, I'm taking Ron under. Collins. Yep, same thing. So, yeah, I'll, I'll go Ron Colley wins because I don't know. It, it depends how Grady Geiger plays, I think. I Like, I like seriously, like, his performance, him stepping up, you know, and Lorenz has played phenomenal as of late. Still, for Lorenz had like one of the best games of his career against Valders, yet they still lose. So. That's that supporting cast you talk about with Ron Colley. It's got a little of a brilliant effect. Ron, Ron Colley, they got to play better. They're, they're like, my, my there's no thought, way they shoot the way they did in that. They can't game. play any worse than they did against Brilliant. Like, and they still time. kept it so close. So I'll, I'll go Ron Colley this game. That's that defense first, and I'm, Ron Colley's been doing better lately, obviously. They stumbled a little bit earlier, but they're going to be just fine, I think. And I do indeed think they win it at the Hangar big-time matchup on Friday night. Other thing in high school we wanted to mention, the ships last week, our bet was do they win over or under half a game? My God, somehow they beat at Schwaben on 55-54 at home. Madison Superior supposedly had some clutch free throws late. 
to get the win. And man, this was a big old upset. 18 points from Braden Kennedy, which is great to see. He was held scoreless again Friday night. I mean, I don't know what's happening. This team used to have a big three with Tapira Kennedy and Brock Peterson. But for some reason, Brock Peterson scoreless on that Schwabenon game. I think he had two points maybe in this game Friday night where they lost to Notre Dame. But I don't know what's happening. Mattis has been going off lately, though. He had another huge game Friday night, 17 points and a loss. Spencer Regan, 10 boards in the Ashwaubenon game. Gage Cornell with eight as well, which is kind of crazy, but good for him. Bryce Erdman, seven points. That was his career high, if I remember correctly. But, man, Marcus Tomaszek, 23 points. It wasn't enough as the ships win, and they were up by eight at the half. So this is a huge win for Lincoln. They lost Friday, which sucks because they definitely could have beat Notre Dame, but it was just a bad, bad scoring night for the team. And now... I look ahead because there's not much of the season left. I mean, this high school basketball season is winding down quick. And they have Sheboygan North on Tuesday, very winnable. At Pulaski on Friday, that's an hour-long trip. I hope they don't send me an hour-long trip. And they lost to Pulaski the first time. Pulaski's only conference win is against Lincoln. So you know the ships want to just absolutely pound them. Then they have a non-con game Tuesday the 22nd hosting Hortonville. Then they host Preble. I'll be on the call for that one. Thursday night ships action. You don't see that a whole lot. It's usually Tuesday, Friday. But yeah, that's to end the season. They're playing on a Thursday. So we'll have to see what that's all about. And now we go to the college basketball to end things before Drew and Jared talk about the world of the NBA. We're starting with last Monday, a week ago today. I was very disappointed as the, sh- not the shifts, the Jayhawks lost to Texas 79-76. That was a tough loss for Kansas. They were in it for so long and then just couldn't finish last Tuesday. Drew, this one we're going to talk about a bit. UConn beating Marquette 80-72. to Yeah, it was not, UConn played extremely well and you just got to tip your cap. Yeah, you're spot on. Um, going in this game, you knew it was going to be tough. Uh, UConn plays very well against Marquette and yeah, they, they match up well, you know, Adama Sinogo, that's one guy who always, you know, it seems like hurts Marquette with how he performs 24 points, 15 boards. It's tough. Cause you have Kirk the one of the best shot blockers in the nation, but he was, he, he's not this big bulky guy, you know, he's this lanky no. guy who's going to block shots and, Basically, what, what happened here, and he only played 17 minutes because it just the, the matchups weren't working out. What happened? Uh, I, I pointed this out. I think I even texted you. Kirkwath was um, he was playing him behind. He was he was in fronting him the whole game. And really, what what that lets Sonogo do is just literally like like box it, like post him up, push him into the paint, and then get oh, yeah. to the ball. One two dribble, boom, baby hook, splash, and that, that's that that's was literally it. all they needed. And they could really run the offense through him. Uh, Tyrese Martin also was a guy for them, 18 points, 7 for 12 shooting. RJ Cole really didn't do much, but, you know, this is a solid, very, very good Connecticut team, UConn. Uh, but when Justin Lewis then was on Sunogo, we saw him front him and, you know, play him a lot more aggressive than he's playing him how they need to play him. And that actually really helped this team cut it then to three. And then Connecticut, yeah, UConn, they just pulled away. So, mm-hmm. um, Plus, they're at home, so, you know, home team and home court advantage. And Tyler Kolick, I want to point out, um, not, didn't really play a Tyler kolick S game that we really no. wanted. They said he had, like, 40 fans there or something from family and stuff, so I don't know if maybe he yeah, was like, a little nervous Providence. or something. Yeah. yeah. 
or Rhode Island, I guess, not really Providence, but he he, he, lo- he loved Providence as a kid, so that's always the story. But yeah, one for seven shooting, two points, four assists. So, well, they have a bounce back game. They have on Saturday. They play at Butler. That should be a double digit win. You know, I say that now, and now they're gonna lose, but. Go Marquette. I think they can handle Butler just fine. And then Georgetown next week. The schedule gets easier for Marquette is what I'm saying. It does indeed get easier. And that's my final question to you. We're going to do another bet. We're doing a long bet on top of our normal bet this week. So Butler, that game already happened. That doesn't count. That was on Saturday. We have yet to see it. But this this Marquette team, five games left on the season. Georgetown, Creighton, Butler, DePaul, and St. John's. Long bet. Does Marquette win out? Do they win out? Oh my god! Okay, this is a log. Oh well, the Marquette fan, I mean, has to say yes, right? But you could easily slip up. You know, one of those games is that St. John's game at St. John's, right? It's versus. Well, is it? Is it like? Is it there? No, it's home. It's home. Okay, that's what I'm asking. Um, oh, it says versus according to ESPN, and the other ones say at. So I'm assuming it's at home. Okay, well, yeah, but I know one game of theirs got canceled because of COVID. So, like, are they going to make that game up? Well, it says the December 29th game at St. John's was postponed, and it they haven't made it up at all. That's what I'm asking because that was the one where it would have been there because I could totally see them losing at St. John's. So that would have been the loss I would pick. But And that would be the last game of the year if it is at St. John's, but I don't think it is. I, well, I don't think it is either because that, that game was set in stone to be the last game of the year. Uh, yeah, they beat I think Creighton they just... around. They beat DePaul. They sweep them. They beat Georgetown again. Uh, that's Butler. three. Beat Butler. Why not? Um, yeah, I'll say, say yes. it went out. Yeah, I'll say, all right. Do it. I'll be, I was going to say yes if you said no, but I kind of figured you'd say yes. So I'll say no just just in case, right? There's five games you could easily slip For up. Sure. Yeah. Say they beat Butler two days ago. Maybe they lose to Butler by two points the second time because they play twice in the span of 14 days. So you never know what can happen in the world of college basketball. I'll go no just to be different. Right now, the standings for our bets, I'm Three for five, three of five, three correct, five wrong. You're two, two of six, two right, six wrong. So we kind of struggle with these, but it's always a fun time. Auburn struggled also, losing to Arkansas, losing to Arkansas by four in overtime on Tuesday night. So a big loss there. Purdue ended up beating Illinois, but Purdue slipped up later in the week. We have to talk about Wisconsin beating Michigan State. Big win for the Badgers, eight points, 25 point effort. From Johnny Davis. Then on Wednesday, number six Houston and number nine Texas Tech and number 16 Ohio State go down. Number 25 did as well, losing to Seton Hall. That was Xavier. But big losses there for some of those teams. SMU, they're always a threat in the tournament. And then beating Houston by two and storming the court. Beautiful sight to see. Michigan absolutely routing Purdue 82 58. Dominated in the second half. Wasn't close whatsoever and then on friday it was just a xavier beating yukon which is kind of interesting they lost earlier in the week and then they beat connecticut by eight a team who struggled or a team who marquette obviously struggled too but that's all we got in the world of college basketball saturday another big day obviously there's tons of games that go on each and every saturday but any final comments or are we switching it over to you and jared well i want to mention briefly milwaukee you know how oh yes because they came off the Friday, last Friday, they're on ESPNU. They pulled off the upset. They beat Wright State by three. And that was coming like off that Wednesday game, which was their worst loss, which you know, could have been a stat of the week. Oh, uh, yeah. I forgot to put that in there. Which they lost by 
or his worst loss in 15 years since um, I believe it was um, against Wisconsin when they've also put up 39 points only. So this was, they failed to score 40, 75, 39. It was one of the worst games I have ever watched in person. And that's you know, saying, saying that saying something at the mid-major D1 level. Uh, wow. Uh, 27.6% they shot from the field. That was season worse. I, I we'll, we'll stop even, you know, talking about that game, but now let's, let's move to just quickly Wright state, you know, Milwaukee, UW Milwaukee on ESPN. You, like I said, I was actually chosen as a fan of the game. So I got to do a halftime. I got to be the halftime show, make some layups. Let's go with Isaac. Ferguson. You did make them, right? I did make my layups. Isaac Ferguson. Okay. I, we tied actually on the tic-tac-toe game. And then you have to make one more layup and then run over to win. And I, I kind of was caught off guard because I thought there was going to be a whistle or something. And at the end of the day, I took the L, but shout out to Unreal. Isaac Ferguson, the guy who made our business cards and, you know, really helped with the logo. So he won and we both won the same prize that we both won a 12 pack of this Mount, this new Mountain Dew. So, oh, was so it cool. didn't even matter that you lost. Exactly. Um, just a bragging rights thing. But yeah, this this right state game. Uh they Donovan Newby was a guy down the stretch who was really the story. No PBJ. Uh was a game time decision. 90 minutes before the game. Uh they a lot of NBA scouts were there and they're very disappointed, of course, because that's kind of Oh yeah, who are you gonna be scouting then? But he's only played in eleven of the twenty six games to this point. That's ridiculous. This, he's he's having this ongoing ankle issue we talked about, and then of course he had COVID nineteen for a stretch, so that was kind of put him out. And he's, they asked him, he said it was just soreness. Um, and he, he didn't have the lift and the movement. So just day to day right now is kind of his status. So he might be ready for yesterday's rivalry game against GB. So go Phoenix. Looking forward to that. Um, cause that'll be exciting. DeAndre oh, do you also, know the score the first time around? Um, my, I know Milwaukee won by double digits. Yeah. I think it was like 12 or something. Yep. Um, Goldstone had 11. Tafari Sims had 12 also. And then, like I said, newbie level scores are led Milwaukee and scoring with 15. All scores was led by Trey Calvin with 18 for Wright State. So good win for the Panthers after that dreadful loss on Wednesday. And that kind of wrapped up what I had for Milwaukee. Absolutely. And now we're going to wrap things up with the two of us. Our Valentine's Day special will continue with Drew Skyberg and Jared Valeski talking about NBA trade deadline moves right now. Episode 49 resumes on the podcast with our trade deadline talk. Here it is, myself, Drew Skyberg, and then Jared Valeski from Journey to a Million on to talk about the NBA trade deadline with myself, as Jordan already announced. He's he, not really a big NBA guy, so us two will be taking over for the rest of the episode to talk. So, Jared, how are you doing? I'm doing good. I'm getting really excited to talk about these NBA trades. Um, I've always been a huge NBA guy myself, so uh, it's a good chance for me to finally talk about some of the trades and how it'll affect some teams when moving forward. Exactly. And yeah, with that comes springtime. When EWC sports kind of dialed down, maybe you might see on Tuesdays some sort of NBA episode. Um, just leave that out there. We're still working on kind of an idea for that, but it should be fun. So Let's, let's get right into it here. We got to start then on Tuesday. What happened it, for the deadline? This was last Tuesday already. So the Pacers, yeah, they dealt two-time All-Star, DeMontis Sabonis, Jeremy Lamb, and Justin Holiday to the Kings for Tyrese Halliburton, 
the Oshkosh product, and then Buddy Heald and Tristan Thompson. So I want to talk first about this trade here. I I know a lot of people were not fans of this trade for the Kings on that there, and I I can understand giving up a guy like Halliburton, but at the same time you have a guy like De'Aaron Fox and I think the idea of getting a skilled big man like Sabonis, I think Sabonis is one of the most underrated guys in the NBA. I actually tweeted that on the podcast account right away because I was like, holy smokes, they traded Sabonis. So um, this trade actually intrigued me a lot. And I'm really, I I really like what the Kings got in return and Lamb played well as well in his first few games. But Jared, what are your initial thoughts? So, yeah, coming off of this, I was like, uh, I don't understand what the Kings were doing. Like they gave up basically their future in Halliburton as most people saw it. They got Sabonis back. He is young. Like he's a good player. He'll be good for them. It's just, I think he's averaging like almost 20 points already in his first few games. But like, I don't, I even like looking back at this, like just Sabonis, he's good. Yes. But like Halliburton will be good. I think they were going to build around him. Like you said, they have De'Aaron Fox and they have like um, Harrison Barnes. They have good, good players around them. They'll bring in, um, some role players with Justin Holiday and Jeremy Lamb. But, like, I don't know. I still don't really like this trade. Um, you make a good point. Like, yeah, Sabonis is, like, really good. Um, it's just, like, like, I would rather see – maybe it's just biased because, you know, Halliburton from Wisconsin. But, like, I like Halliburton as a player, and Sabonis just didn't really – I mean, he's a great player. It's just I thought the Kings would be a little better building around Halliburton. But, like, we'll see what they can do with Fox and Sabonis going forward. Yeah, I can't imagine, though, like a backcourt with, you know, Halliburton and Fox. I don't know how, like, just the touches. I don't know how that will work, you know. Both are ball-dominant players. I think both thrive with the ball in their hands. And a guy like Sabonis, you know, makes impact off the ball. Uh, I already talked, like, averaging first two games, 19, 13, and 6 so far. And he's played well, and that's with 14 shot attempts a game. Just having kind of like that pick-and-roll guy, I think, for Fox, maybe even like a pick-and-pop guy. I think that's going to be – Something to look out for, but I think it's, I think it's a good trade for both teams because, of course, now you Pacers got a guy who arguably has a better the better upside in the trade for sure. You know, being younger and Halliburton, and also now Pacers come to Milwaukee tomorrow night, so we will. I actually will be at that game, so I will be seeing Tyrese Halliburton play at the wow. Pfizer Forum. Yeah, nine dollar <laughs> tickets thanks to Bobby Portis, so that'll be fun. But <laughs> I, I, you know, yeah. this trade, this trade a year, few years, we'll be able to tell, you know, see how it worked. But right now I, I like the thought process of the Kings kind of getting like they, they're giving up an all-star level, you know, point guard for, for like upside, you know, with a, for an all-star level center here. And I think, you know, that's, if that's what they got to do and maybe we'll see how that works for the team. But this trade, I, th- I, I think it was a lot better than people think like more balanced than people think it was is how is about what I'll say. Yeah, I mean, we won't be able to really tell until, you know, the next year. Neither team are contenders. It's not going to immediately jump, like, the Kings to a, a one seed next year. I mean, if it happens, like, come back. I mean, I get it. But, like, you can't judge this trade off of, like, right now, I think. I just see Sabonis being, like, you know, a great – I don't know. He Like they like you said, like, the Kings don't didn't really have a center. They had, like, Rashawn Holmes. But, like, he's not getting that many minutes anyways. And now they traded like, uh, Bay, uh, Bagley to the Pistons, I think it went which we'll get into that probably, but like, of course, um, yeah, I mean, Sabonis kind of does fit the pick and roll offense with, Hall- with uh, Fox now. I mean, Halliburton didn't really have, um, like you said, the backcourt with Halliburton and Fox might not have really worked, but they have, if you want to use Sabonis as their big guy now, I mean, he's 
probably going to fit into that role pretty well. So like with Sabonis and Fox pick and roll, maybe just two way offense, uh, two players, I could see it working in the future, but for right now, I'm still saying that the Pacers kind of got a steal out of this because they kept, I mean, they still have some nice shooters. They didn't get rid of like, um, Brogdon. I mean, TJ Warren's still hurt. And, uh, yeah, they have, I mean, both teams have a, probably a bright future, but like, I'm not going to be able to like, I'm not going to make too many big, dis- like, you know, generalizations now because it's been like three days since this happened and uh, we'll see in the future, which teams uh, get better from this or who wins the trade. Yeah. Uh, Pacers, you know, their, their front court's looking interesting right now uh, with Brissett, yeah, Goga, Batatze, because uh, <laughs> Turner's out right now. Turner was not traded and I mean, he's hurt, so it, it could be tough to trade there, but it's kind of still shocked. Nobody really was looking for him. He's still a, He's a guy I thought was going to get traded and bucks that were even tied to him earlier before he got hurt. So that's enough of that trade here. We'll talk now. We'll talk about the kind of what the trailblazers did starting with the McCollum trade, of course, to the Pelicans and that highlighted Josh Hart was the kind of the main part of that package. You would say we, yeah, now we see the trailblazers going into, I wouldn't say like a rebuild, but more of a refresh. It seems with kind of, how it just shaped out right with you know McCollum and Lillard not really you know we're, they're not getting that success that many in Portland thought they could get with with those two and now we're seeing them kind of trade them could kind of free up some cap space especially with the McCollum one for maybe make a splash then in free agency so yeah Josh Hart the Villanova product uh, he, he's a solid player they're getting there a young player and they also deal Norman Powell and Robert Covington to the Clippers I was hoping the Bucks would get one of those guys you know Powell maybe makes a return to Milwaukee or Covington, a solid defender. And then the, those two, they got, they traded and they got Eric Bloodsoe, who's a buyout candidate, of course, Justice Winslow, Keon Johnson, and a second round pick. So Jared, I said a lot there, but overall, do you like what the trailblazers are doing? I mean, they still do have Lillard. So like, you'll have to see going forward, but I mean, they got a lot of picks as well with this. They got uh, a few second round picks. Um, they also got the Cavs uh, second or first round pick next year, lottery protected uh, 2022 first round pick. So um, they're kind of doing, like you said, a refresh, not really a rebuild. I mean, they still do have Lillard. Um, I don't know what his future is looking like there, but like I can see this team. I mean, they got young weapons. I mean, they got Nikel Alexander Walker. I mean, we'll have to see how moving forward, but like, I do like what the Pacers or not the Pacers. I like what the trailblazers are doing because like, what were they like the 12 seed right now? They're not, I mean, Lillard's been hurt and like, you know, they haven't had much of a, like a great season. Um, but like they can maybe rebound next year if Lillard gets healthy and still wants to play in Portland. I mean, there's been a lot of rumors going out that he was going to get traded and stuff, but I don't know. They're probably going to have to rebuild around him with some, I mean, we'll see what they do in the future. They still do have like Nurkic there. So like they do have a decent team. It's just to see where they go from here. Yeah, as of Super Bowl Sunday right now, they're 23 and 34. They're the 10th seed, so they're in the play-in tournament right now. And also I want to talk about, yeah, because you mentioned Alexander Walker. He actually, they traded him because they took, remember they took Joe Ingles then to the, he went, yeah. yeah. So they ended up trading him to, even though Ingles is injured, just to free up the whole idea, you know, freeing up more cap space with Ingles being a free agent. So that happened as well. But yeah, an interesting, interesting moves here by the Blazers. They're really just trying to get some young talent, which I think Josh Hart and you know, Winslow's played. He, he's gotten some good minutes right now because a lot of guys have been out. So that's helped his kind of 
stock right now, even like in fantasy sports, if you look at it like that. But Anthony Simons, he's really benefited, mm-hmm. I think, from – I know you agree, yeah. Uh, yeah, with, I was just just going to talk about him, actually, because, you know, he's fitting perfectly to that starting point guard role with uh, Lillard being out. He's picked it up tremendously. I mean, he was a solid backup point guard, and now he's showed, like, I don't know what he's, at, he's averaging since Lillard's been out. But, like, yeah, I like the young talent that they have there with him. Yeah, for sure. I'll pull up that right now. Anthony Simons without Damian Lillard. We'll get to see his stats here. He is averaging 18 points, three boards, five assists without Lillard. So that's that's a solid shooting 41% from three as well without him. So if you're looking, he's put up some solid stats when he does he's, not play with Damian Lillard. And he, he's going to be a solid backup guy off the bench. I think, you know, I, I don't know where, where you play him right now because maybe with Josh Hart, you could really see him kind of slide into that two or three row spot in the starting lineup. Uh, of course, Hersef Nurkic, he's been playing, you know, very well as well. They have a solid center. You look at that. So this Trailblazers team, basically, they're, they're not going any. I think next year, if they they'll make a splash in free agency, I think they'll be, you know, back in the playoffs where, where we have seen them in years past. I don't know how far they'll go, but yeah, uh, we'll talk then. Another move the Pacers made. So we talked about Sabonis. And then Karis LeVert, he's played very well this year. He went to the Cavaliers. All, and then that was along with a 2022 second-round pick. For, then that was for Ricky Rubio. A lottery-protected 2022 first-round pick and second-round picks in 2022 and 2027. So Karis LeVert going to the Cavs, a division rival is how that happened. So... Initially, you know, Jared, what did you think about this Levert trade? I personally, I like it for the Cavs. They're in, they're all in here, and rightfully so. They play very well, so I, I think the Cavs made a good move here. Yeah, I agree. Um, the Pacers, they did make a lot of moves. I mean, they did get Halliburton and everything, but like they gave up a lot of picks, which picks I think in the NBA are overrated. I don't know what you think about them. Um, it's rare that you're going to draft the next, you know, Giannis or LeBron. Um, it doesn't really happen often, but like it could. So, I mean, they gave up two second rounders, a first rounder. Um, and yeah, they got Levert, um, the Pacers or the Cavs got Levert. Um, he'll fit into their offense. I think he's, he's been hurt the last, uh, what was it like last season? I think he was hurt. Um, but he should fit in well. The Pacers, I don't really like the move for the Pacers. I think the Cavs got a steal here. Because I do believe that picks are kind of overrated, but that's it might just be me, but that's just the way I see them. And Rubio's is a solid player. I mean, he's he's been hurt recently, I'm pretty sure, but it's just uh, he can be good. I mean, he didn't really fit into the Cavs' offense too well. Um, I mean, he was he did like, but then he got hurt because they had uh, Garland, who's an All Star, um, Allen's an All Star, so they he was like their third or fourth option, maybe behind Sexton if you want to put him in there. But, um, yeah, Levert, he'll be a good player on the Cavs, and uh, we'll see what happens. For sure. Uh, the Cav- Yeah, the Cavs like, with guys like Darius Garland and then, of course, Mobley and Jared Allen. Now with Levert, too, it's just a solid lineup overall. Uh, I, I, don't, I don't know if I'd say picks are overrated, but, you know, some, some of the second rounders, uh, it, it's turned, you know, not well. I mean, of course, you've seen there's been some stars, you know, awesome players in the second round, but just the odds, you know, it, it's, it's, they're all stacked against you, but I, th- I think picks are still valuable because it's, it's even having the potential to draft, you know, let's say your next Giannis, next Jokic, someone, you know, who can make a difference for your team. 
So you still got to yeah. value them. I, I understand what you're saying, though, like where at the end of the day, you know, the odds are really stacked against you, though. But I feel like picks are kind of used as fan service nowadays. It's like you gave up this person and this person, you got this person, but you also got two picks. If you hear originally, like you just got that person, you're like, well, there had to be something else. And then the fans here are like, oh, we got two first rounders as well. Okay, well, this actually is a decent trade. I feel like picks are used as like, like you're right, you can draft someone amazing and you can end up with your future. But like, I feel like picks can be used like as overvalued. Like, right? Yeah, like overvalued. Okay. I think that they're just like, like they're useful. I mean, like you need picks to have the potential to draft someone. But like, I feel like they're kind of a fan service where like, if a fan here is, okay, we got a few picks, like then it kind of makes the deal more like, they like it a little bit more, I guess, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, you always want talent that's proven. I, I look at baseball as one of them. You would want, mm-hmm. you know, a guy who's got a proven track record over someone, a prospect, let's say, in double triple A, uh, who doesn't have that proven major league track record. So, yeah, I, I agree with that. But um, let's talk about the blockbuster here. James Harden, Paul Millsap to Philadelphia in return for Seth Curry. Drummond and Ben Simmons. Ben Simmons has finally moved and he's, he goes to Brooklyn. So I, that that's interesting to me. Um, first off, because I think Harden and, and B that's going to be interesting, but first off, but how is a starting lineup with Ben Simmons and potentially Andre Drummond in it going to work for Brooklyn? Uh, Jared, if you have yeah. any, uh, any comments or if you want to explain that to me. I don't think it will work. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I think, uh, I mean, Ben Simmons has been out for a while. So like, we'll have to see how he fits into Brooklyn, but uh, you're looking at a starting lineup with, I mean, when Kyrie is there, he'll play like he'll start, but like home games, you'll have like, you know, Simmons. Then you obviously have uh, KD. Um, I think. Yeah. And then they'll have, is LaMarcus Aldridge not going to start then is I would guess uh, Drummond would start over him. Yeah. Yeah. Uh... You know, there's guys like Claxton. You probably see get yeah. bumped to the bench. Uh, Joe Harris is still hurt. He'll be back. Um, Griffin so, on the bench still. Yeah, uh, yeah. Griffin's getting like six minutes a game. If if that, I mean, yeah. he's basically out of the rotation. But like, I I don't really. I'm still trying to decide who I like this trade for more. Like the 76ers did get James Harden. That's like what they were going for. Um, Harden was not a good player for their locker room. He was uh, just not a good teammate overall. In uh, Brooklyn so like they got James Harden with obviously Tobias Harris and Joel Embiid so that'll be interesting um people are saying the Sixers are are now the favorites to win the East I wouldn't go that far um the Nets are still like what the eighth seed right now um yeah yeah and Ben Simmons hasn't played like I said in like a year um you can't really say anything about him right now it's like the big piece for me in this is Seth Curry I mean he's always going to be looked at as Steph Curry's brother and I think that's kind of unfair to him as he is like one of the top three-point shooters right now in the league he's like probably a better I think his stats I don't know but he's been like pretty close to his brother's stats um Seth Curry has been like his whole career he's been a great player and I think he's just overshadowed um but we'll see Ben Simmons fit in I think he'll fit in nicely with the Nets organization but the whole Andre Drummond thing might be a little uh, shaky at times. Yeah, for sure. Uh, just overall that trade, because look, Ben Simmons wasn't playing for the 76ers, so anything they could get out for him was ideal and you know, able to do that and get 
a guy like James Harden with it. I know I have to give up some other capital, but at the end of the day, uh, the Nets also are getting two first rounders. So you look at that. But I feel like both teams got what they ultimately wanted out of this. Like the 76ers were going for James Harden. And yeah, like you said, Ben Simmons didn't really want to, obviously he was holding out, didn't want to play for the um, 76ers. So like Ben Simmons finally got dealt and he wasn't helping them in any way. And like they both got what they wanted. And now Ben Simmons will finally get, I mean, not get to play again. Like he chose not to play, but like, We'll see how it goes because, like, in the end, I think both teams see this as a W for both organizations. So we'll see. Yeah, I, I'm with you. Well, I'm looking forward to how this trade play, plays out, though, for sure. This was the main one we want to talk about. But Celtics, they made some moves as well. Uh, we'll start with the Josh Richardson. He goes to the Spurs for Derek White. I actually, I really like this move for the Celtics. It was a Josh Richardson. Romeo Langford and a first rounder to the Spurs for Derek White. Derek White was a starter. He's really playing that shooting guard role with DeJounte Murray, who's been playing awesome this year. But yeah, White was that shooting guard, averaging 14 points, six assists, and then around four boards a game. And and that was in 49 games this year. So he's played very well. And I think he'll be a solid player for Boston. I know they gave up a first rounder, which is always like you mentioned, something people like to look at. And then uh, the rookie, you know, or not rookie, but Romeo Langford, a younger guy there, uh, is an interesting piece they give up as well. But I like this move for Boston. Yeah, I would say for Boston, I love this move as well. I watched the Spur- uh, Celtics game today. They played against the Hawks, and uh, Derek White's coming off the bench for them. Um, Jason Tatum dropped 38 points. I picked against him in, sleep- in uh, betting, so, you know, kind of lost that pick there. But Ouch. Derek White, yeah, I took an, an over 21 and a half for Derek White, points, rebounds, and assists. He hit that. He had like 30 or so. He's looking good on the Celtics. I think he fits right in with that bench spot. He's first man off the bench. I think he's sixth man. Um, comes in as a nice backup. But, yeah, he's a great corner corner shooter he seemed to be in this game. Like, just going off of this game generally. But Derek White's been a nice, uh, really good acquisition for the Celtics. Um, we'll see what he does there. I mean, Celtics are now, I think, on a nine-game winning streak. Uh, they have been rolling. They're the hottest team since uh, January 1st. And uh, I think he'll just add fuel to their the run they have going on right now. Exactly. Next trade here with the Celtics. Celtics, they trade Dennis Schroeder and then Ennis Freedom. So uh, they go. And then that was also with Bruno Fernando to the Rockets for big man Daniel Tice. So Daniel Tice makes his comeback. And then the Rockets, they wave. And his freedom. So he is not part of the team anymore, but interesting move here. Schroeder's kind of moved around. Uh, it's been very inconsistent, it seems, for the Celtics. And when you make a move for Derek White, it ended up being they have to trade another guy out. So, but Daniel Tice coming back. I think that was good for Boston as well. Yeah. What do you think? Because, like, I saw an article that said right before Dennis Schroeder got traded, it was right before the Bucks gave up uh, DiVincenzo. People were, saying, uh, people were saying that there was going to be a Dennis Schroeder, uh, DiVincenzo trade. Um, I didn't really like that, but then uh, this came out, and I was kind of happy that Daniel Tice returned to, to the Celtics. Um, good for him. I mean, whenever I see Daniel Tice, I just always saw him as a Celtic, even when he was on the Rockets. I mean, it's just like I thought he just fit the city. I don't know if that's just me, but, like, Daniel Tice has always been a Celtic for me, and it's nice to see a player that I think he loves the city. Like, nice to see him return. And like the Rockets are not a good team. Um, they're they have some future, but I mean they're playing all their young players right now. 
so yeah, this will be a we'll see how this one turns out. But I like that Daniel Tice gets to return to Boston. Yeah, um, you're spot on with that. Uh, we'll talk next about a wi- some Wizards moves here. Wizards they trade Montrez Harrell to the Hornets, so that happened. And then sending Washington Ish Smith, Vernon Carey, and a second round pick. So yeah, Montrez Harrell. He's averaging 14 points, seven boards, and he's he's been a solid piece for Washington. He's been, you know, hovering around the center spot, or he's been coming off the bench still, even with Thomas Bryant getting some starts as well. So, yeah, it's been interesting because Harrell has not been on a winner, and he's he's been a little upset with that, as reports have said. So getting him to a team that's kind of not going to say contending, but they're, they're in the thick of it for the playoffs in the Hornets. So um, I, I think, you know, for for both teams, I think this is just a good trade, you know? Yeah, and Montrose Harrell, I think it, was, it wasn't last year. It was two years ago, I think, he won the sixth player of the year. Yep. So he he was proven to be, a, I mean, a great bench player, I'd say, not a starter. Um, I think he's a little older, too, so, like, he's not going to have many years left. But, yeah, the Hornets get him. Um, I think it's, yeah, like you said, a good trade for both teams. I mean, Wizards didn't get much in return, but they did get that second-round pick. Um which I don't know how that'll turn out, but well, all these trades with these picks, you don't really know the value of them until they're actually like used up like the picks, but we can look back maybe like after the 2023 draft and see who they got and look back on this trade and see how like, you know, impactful it was. For sure. Another move wizards made. I actually, I like this move. Christoph Rosingas to the wizards for Spencer <laughs> Dinwiddie. His days uh, in Dallas are already over three years into the making there, but. Uh, we'll, we'll talk about the package here. Yeah, it was Porzingis. And then Washington also received a second rounder in return for Spencer Dinwiddie, who's played well as of late. And then also Davis Bertans, uh, the, the sharpshooter for the formerly the Wizards, but now the Mavericks. But I don't know. Like I said, I like this. Uh, Porzingis averaging 19 points, eight rebounds. Of course, the concerns with him is always injury. But, you know, he's been a solid player, you know. A borderline all-star, I'll say, when when he's healthy. And that's that's been proven in his career, I'd say. Uh, Jared, initial yeah. reactions with that? So right when it came out, I was sitting in my dorm, and I was like, I saw Porzingis traded. I'm like, okay, so they got Dinwiddie and Bertans. I'm like, okay, I mean, is there anything else? And it turned out, I mean, it wasn't anything else because they also threw in, the Wizards threw in a 2022 second-round pick. I was surprised by that. I'm like, okay, so we can all agree Porzingis – so far has been the best player out of everyone traded here and Porzingis and Dinwiddie have been hurt the last few seasons. So like neither of them have been playing. And I think the Mavericks are just like, you know what? We're done playing this injury game with Porzingis. Let's just get him out of here. And hopefully we can build around Luca. Um, I still don't really see this. I mean, the more I look at it, the more I realize why, but like, I don't, I know you said you like this trade. I don't really see what the Mavericks are doing. Yeah. I like I it for the wizards. Was, yeah. Time, so. Porzingis was like their second, player and they gave him up for I mean yes Bertens is a really good shooter and Dinwiddie he can be when he's healthy but same as Porzingis so like I think the Wizards easily win this trade um yeah him playing again or by Kuzma and like they got a lot of good players down when Beal comes back I think he's out for the season but yeah when, when he's back they'll have a lot to play around and I think that they're doing this also to please Beal like okay Beal don't leave we got some help for you we can build around you we got Porzingis now like you know they might be able to keep him if he does want to trade, but yeah, I think the Wizards got a good, good. Uh, yeah, Spencer here. Dinwiddie, you know now Jalen Brunson and Luca, so it had a little congestion right there 
now with this trade uh, by the Mavericks. Not, I, I don't, I don't understand that part, and yeah, I don't. But uh, Kleber has played well for Dallas. If we look at his late, you know, Dwight Powell, I mean, some solid. You know, those guys have been solid. Finney Smith was a guy actually wanted the Bucks to trade for. Yep. Didn't happen, mm-hmm. but uh, yeah, we'll move on from that trade then. Uh, I'll read some. I'll read through some small ones here. Phoenix, they get Aaron Holiday from Washington. And then also uh, another one was Jalen Smith gets traded to Indiana for Torrey Craig. Torrey Craig returns to Phoenix. That was cool. The former Buck. He was out with the team last year. Another playoff run for Torrey Craig. Yep. I think he got a ring last year, didn't he? He did, yeah. You bet. Bucks, yeah. So that's cool to see. I mean, Jalen Smith is young still. I mean, that was a decent trade. On Maryland, right? Yep. Yeah, exactly. I didn't think much. Big Ten. You know, I didn't think much of it, but like, it's just, I mean, two players that are decent. I mean, they, the Suns got cash considerations, but like it's Pacers got a pick. It was just a, you know, what, whatever trade kind of for me. Yeah. A few more here. And then we'll talk about the Bucks trade and then we'll talk about how that impacts them here. Celtics, they trade Bobol and PJ Dozier to the magic. So that happened. And that was just, that was for a second rounder. Uh, yeah. Not really much there, but yeah. Uh, Moses Bowl from UW Milwaukee beat Jared's Panther or Jared's my bad. My Panthers beat Jared's Green Bay Phoenix today or yesterday. Now the four and 20 Green Bay Phoenix. Yeah. They got the season sweep on the Phoenix. So (laughs) no Panthers, but uh, Raptors, they traded Goran Dragic to the Spurs. And then we talked, he's going to be a buyout candidate. So that's going to be interesting because Thaddeus Young also was, Mm-hmm. Then, go ahead. The Bucks were looking at Gordon Dragic too. I think it was like Bucks and a few other teams, like Nets. Uh, I don't know what, what all the other teams were, but yeah, they were looking at Gordon Dragic as a possible, uh, you know, pickup. And we'll talk about why because here we go. Milwaukee Bucks. Marvin Bagley goes to the Pistons, and Serge Ibaka goes to the Bucks, and that's those are the headlines in a four-team trade. Here we go. Marvin Bagley, as I said, goes to the Pistons. And then they Kings, they receive Dante DiVincenzo from the Bucks, And then the Bucks they acquire Serge Ibaka from the Clippers. And then the Kings, they get Josh <laughs> Jackson and Trey Lyles from the Pistons. And then the Clippers, they're getting Semi Ojale and Ronnie Hood for the Buc- from the Bucks, And that makes sense. And then the Bucks will also receive two future second-round picks and cash. So the Bucks get some picks there, and they get they get Serge Ibaka. Uh, but okay, I'll, I'll get my initial thoughts. I okay. like getting the backup big. I know um, people are gonna be mad. They're gonna be like, Abaka was the guy they had in mind over Demarcus Cousins, mm-hmm. and I can understand that. But uh, I you get you get rid of Ojale, you get rid of Rodney Hood. Um, I know Dante's kind of sad. Uh, that was tough, but at the end of the day, after this, he would they would have to pay him. I was thinking of sign and trade in the offseason. He really didn't help his stock. It looked like more he was hurting his stock. So I think you have to trade him now for what you could get. So I yeah, I, I agree was, with that. Yeah, I think I think Divincenzo's like stock was going down after his injury, and if you're gonna trade him, you gotta get him out now. Um, so it's gonna be sad to see him go. But like, I I do like this trade. I I don't I don't do I think Serge Ibaka is gonna be better than. Um, Demarcus Cousins, like I don't know, we'll have to see. But like, I liked Cousins a lot more as of now. But like Serge Ibaka, he'll be a good backup if Portis is starting. But then Lopez will come back. Um, if he comes back, we don't know anything about him really yet. But 
we'll have to see. I, I do like the trade though that the Bucks get the backup center. Yeah, Bucks are better off, I think, at the deadline with that. And then Marvin Bagley, uh, just that whole issue with the Kings. I mean, that can be alarming a little with Sabonis going there. Because mm-hmm. look at how the number two overall pick in 2018 and Marvin Bagley, it's turned out not well for him there. He was benched yeah. last year or in October, it was. So it just has been interesting. And then uh, we saw the Lakers not trade Russell Westbrook. I thought that was, it hasn't really worked out um, as many thought. They said they were going to, they're going to hit the buyout market. Uh, that's some not going to help. There are a few, but that's not going to help your team make a deep playoff run. You have like six Hall of Famers on your team. And I don't, I don't know how many more years they have of this. You know, they got Westbrook. LeBron's like 37. They, Mello. They're getting up there. Mello's there. Um, what else do they have? I mean, obviously Westbrook, AD, probably future Hall of Famers with LeBron, of course. Um, what else do they have? They have a few, whatever. We don't have to talk about them. I don't like the Lakers, but they they had to do something, and they missed their chance. I don't think they're doing anything this year. I think they're at like the eight or the nine seed right now. Um, if anything, they'd make the play in and uh, go against a decent team, I would guess. So, like, you never know with them. I mean, it's it's the Lakers. They won two years ago, and they have their ups and downs. So, I don't know. For sure. But overall, I'll rate, and I'll say the Bucks are looking better off than they were. I'll give their trade deadline, you know, maybe a 6 or 7 out of 10. You know, I just well, – they did, they did what they needed to do, I think. But I, you, if you are Milwaukee, you're more concerned now with a team like Philadelphia solely because they got James Harden now, I think. So Miami and Milwaukee both probably are looking around and being like, okay, teams around us got, got better. How do we do? I mean, they, they didn't get as better as other teams did, but I don't know how much better the Bucs need to get. So yeah. I, and I think if that's a fair assessment, what do you think? Yeah, it is. Because, like, you have to remember the Bucks team just won the, cha- the NBA Finals last year. So if you have a good team that just proved they can win the finals, why why make trades to destroy your team when you have what you need? They had Lopez, and all they had to get was a backup center. I thought the only move we should have made is probably deal DiVincenzo because his stock is as high as it's going to be right now. It was probably higher over the offseason, but, I mean, it was on the way down, and he's been hurt. So, like, trading him, getting a backup center, I think that's exactly what they needed to do. I, didn't, I did not want to see a single other move, even though I saw these big names going everywhere. I was like, Bucks, please don't do anything. As a Bucks fan, I'm like, do not do anything. We have a good team. I believe that this team just won the whole thing. I don't think we need to make any more trades. This is good the way you have it with Ibaka. So I liked it. Yeah. And to wrap up here, we're going to talk. I'm going to talk some buyout guys. We're going to start with very deep options here, Jared. Here you go. I'm going to read some and I'll talk about my favorite. I'll pick my favorite. You pick yours. It's one more from Orlando. Michael Carter Williams. Jared Culver. Kevin Knox, DJ Augustin, Ben McLemore, Andrew Eubanks, Thomas Sanaraski, and then Mike Muscala. Okay, which one? I, these are these are as deep as I'll go. <laughs> Anyone there for any you know that you think solid candidates there? Um, you said Jared Culver, right? I did. Yeah, uh, wasn't he like a third pick or something like that, like a couple years ago? Uh, like not top, that high. No, no, no he, he went like first round. 10. He, was, he was top 10, I think. He went with, yeah, like he went with the T-Wolves. Uh, yeah. He just yeah, needs so. he needs minutes. So I think if you get him to a team not contending, he's a candidate. Yeah. I um, mean, I see his name. I'm like, okay, let's let's grab him. I mean, okay. he's not 
that would be probably the one name out of there. I mean, there's a few more, but like, yeah, Jared Culver, he's, he's young. I mean, he's, he hasn't proven much yet, but he hasn't really gotten the opportunities to, yeah, give him some minutes, see what he can do. And if not, it doesn't work out. I mean, you can get rid of him, but like, he's a great, that's a great opportunity there to get some young talent on your team. Yeah. I'll, I'll name three quickly. Ben McLemore, Drew Eubanks, then Mike Muscala, solely Mike Muscala. Uh, the chance with him reuniting with former coach for him, Mike Budenholzer, when he was in Atlanta, here we go. There's a connection. Milwaukee Bucks. I know they got their big, but why not another? So right. Um, that kind of wraps up the, the bottom tier of those guys. I'll read some guys everyone will know here. Paul Millsap, Tristan Thompson, Ennis Freedom, and then Corey Joseph. Anyone there? Um, Ennis Freedom, yeah. I mean, okay. Maybe. Uh, who were the first two you said again? I said Paul Millsap, Tristan Thompson. Okay, Tristan Thompson. Okay. Uh, Millsap didn't, I mean, he got his spot just taken from him basically with the new acquisitions, but like, um, I don't know. They, I'm sure they could better a team that like, they're not going to go on a contender and make a big difference, but like Tristan Thompson, he's been with the uh, um, Celtics with the Cavs. I mean, he's been all over the place. He's a little older too. I mean, you could maybe put him on a, a team that needs a little depth, but at best he'd play a backup or a, a garbage time minute position, I think. But like, I mean, why not join the Lakers? You know, he's he's probably he's probably fits their age range a little bit. So like, put him on the Lakers. Yeah, and the whole Corey Joseph one was the one I was gonna take, but he's got a five point one million dollar player option, so the odds of him getting bought out are very unlikely. Yeah, I still, you know, I'm gonna take him because if he gets bought out, I think he is a guy. You know, I that other teams mm-hmm. that are looking for a guard should take shooting forty three point one percent from three this year. Oh, uh, I didn't know it was that high. Okay. That, yeah, no, he's been solid for Detroit. He's been actually stepping in that starting role, getting a lot of touches too with Cade being out certain games. But here he goes. Here's the top guys, I'll say. You know, the, the top buyout candidates Robin Lopez, Dennis Schroeder, Eric Bledsoe, Goran Dragic, Gary Harris. And then John Wall is an interesting one because uh, his, whole, his whole salary, you know, that's just that's that's a home run guy there. Um, but the concept, you know, with, with it all being how it is. Uh, it might be better if they buy him out because he has one year left after this one at forty-seven million. Yeah, I think like last year or two years ago, he was the second highest paid player in the league, and he wasn't even playing. Like, <laughs> it's crazy how he's still getting that much money and just sitting. I mean, he's sitting for a good reason. I mean, letting the younger players develop, but it's just like, yeah, you see John Wall. I don't. I wouldn't. I mean, touch him yet. I would say, like you said, he's what one year left on his deal, right? You said that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah no. So, I'd say you keep him there. Um, who you said? Uh, I'll, I'll read him. Harris, yeah. Drogic, Bledsoe, Schroeder, Lopez. Bledsoe, Bledsoe. Uh, it would be funny if the Bucks could just like you know no. get him back. No, no. you don't. No, nah, I'm okay. totally it, not. It, on it board. didn't work. It didn't work. But like he could be a solid bench player for us. I mean, Robin Lopez. Yeah, with Brooke. I mean, yeah, but you you see you see Bledsoe and you just think, oh, we get him back. I mean, we we got. You look at like we got uh, West, Wesley Matthews back. Um, so I would say, I mean, Bledsoe, that'd be kind of cool. Just if the Bucks do make another uh, run, you can you know, get him a, a ring. He'd be a solid bench player for us. Yeah, but uh, I don't know. I watch him shoot shoot us out of games. Uh, Drogic, of course, is a guy who I I think you know top my list. And then Robin Lopez, I'll throw in there. Just just some sleeper guys there. No pun intended. Go join our sleeper squad. Uh, 
they we people won free 15 bucks three crypto commercials were aired so everyone won five dollars of the data contest for each crypto commercial so 15 dollars will be added to my sleeper wallet which is awesome we love sleeper so um <laughs> but yeah the buyout options we read them there trades we talked about it so anything else you got jared no i mean teams are fighting eastern conference looks pretty good right now we got a few few like a week left till all-star break and then we'll make the final push for uh see who makes the playoffs it should be a, a fun future as nba fans um see who fights for those top seeds and uh yeah we'll i guess we'll just see in the future yeah uh the ewc stuff wrapping up state basketball march 17th through march 19th so around there we're gonna do like our ewc recap and such with the awards show all that good stuff but after that, uh, expect basketball, you know, when the playoff pushes start. Jordan Drew, the sports group, we covering it. We'll have some sort of Journey to a Million basketball-themed series here on the podcast, so keep a lookout for that. But, that, yeah, that wraps up the episode here. Uh, thank you all for listening to yet another episode of Jordan Drew, the sports crew, the perfect podcast for you.